Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Singapore preview for the Winging F1 podcast. Yes, the first ever Singapore preview we've done, and it's something like episode 155 or something. And we're only finally doing a Singapore preview. It's brilliant for Formula One to be back in Singapore, a track and Grand Prix we all love. Um, and we're going to be talking about the upcoming 2022 Singapore Grand Prix today. Uh, I'm Freddie Coates. I'm going to be your little host for today. And I'm joined by Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu as co-hosts as well. Um, Adam, how are you? You're looking forward to Singapore? I am, yeah. I think Nigel is the littlest host if we're going off that. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> good. Always I think. A one. <laughs> it's it's uh, going to be oh. about 157. <laughs> down. 158 for uh, our first ever Japanese Grand Prix preview. So there's that. But yeah, other, you know, apart from semantics, is it semant- pneumantics? Don't know. Can't find the right word. This is why I do journalism. No, that's why you shouldn't do journalism. Anyway, I'm journalism. rambling. I'm great. I'm looking forward to Singapore. Nigel, yeah. same to you. You're right. Yes, I'm very well. Thanks. Uh, not much has happened in the last 48. Well, actually, a bit a bit has happened, but I can't say it on the podcast. Uh, but yes, I'm looking forward to Singapore. Uh, it's probably the event I've been looking forward to most in terms of the, in terms of the returning event over the last couple of years. Brilliant track, great venue, uh, night race as well. So there's not much water. Love, I think. Yeah, Nigel doing his classic, just talking about stuff that he knows he can't talk about and knows yeah. the listener won't. Really There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the in-joke, which is with himself, as always. Um, but anyway, yeah, moving straight to it, because it has been, to be fair, there has been a little bit as, as happened in the F1 sphere since our last visit to the podcast realm, which you can go and check out at all good podcast retail centres. Um and that is that Joe Guan Yu is going to be staying at Alfa Romeo for 2023. It's been confirmed. It was essentially an open secret. There was not really any rumor around his seat. And we all were relatively comfortable with his performance as of late, ever since the sort of weird, weird turning point that he made as the car turned off in terms of performance. Um, uh, Nigel, Joe Guan Yu, 2023. Tick. Yay. Uh, in the current form and shape of F1, yes, he has done enough. The expectations were low, granted. Uh, he had a lot of stick when it was announced, but he has done enough just about, I think, I think we've, as we banged on about the car, performance has declined over the last six or seven races, so he hasn't been able to uh, impress as much. But overall, he's not been that far off Valtteri Bottas, who as we know, did occasionally put up a fight with Lewis Hamilton, who's one of the greatest F1 drivers ever. So I think he's done quite well, Joe. And I think as long as he can build on that, he can retain his seat. Of course, there are better F2 or drivers from other series out there, as we talked about in our last podcast, which you should go and watch uh, or, or listen to. But he has done enough, so it's not a complete, oh, God, why is he on the grid? It's He's done enough. Okay, let's see if he can, you know, improve and perform better and do some more impressive things. I think. Adam, do you concur? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like you look at the standings and it's Bottas is on forty six points and Joe's on six and it's like oh that's not great and I think it's eleven six to Bottas in the qualifying 
but they don't race on paper. And I think it's actually, like we've said, it's kind of, he's come into the car as the car has come out of the points. He's also had four or five mechanical retirements and the Silverstone crash, which wasn't his fault. So he's kind of been unlucky from that um, angle as well. And I think what's, you know, obviously don't know him, but what's impressed me from what's come across and what the team said about is him is the his kind of attitude and his commitment and just the way he's handled himself seems to be kind of, you know, quite humble and wanting to learn and quite mature, which is, you know, what you want to see from someone who's 23 and coming into F1. So I think that's quite impressive from the noises that have been coming out around the paddock. Yeah, I agree with both of you there. I think that's a really good point about his attitude. I think what the team are really happy with the way he's applied himself and the way he has um, not got into the wrong headspace and he's just soaked up information and set himself achievable targets. Just, okay, cool. I'm not here to be the big lead driver scoring the big points at the start of the season. That's what Bottas is for. I'm here to grow so I can do that lace down the line when the car allows. And that's kind of been where he's been going. And I think similar to what we were saying about uh, Stenoda is that his curve is obvious there. And if that can continue into his sophomore season, then all power to him. Uh, obviously, yeah. if there isn't an improvement, then there isn't an improvement, but he's earned the chance for that improvement. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I guess. And I think, I was going to say, the most impressive thing for me is after Silverstone, to bounce back from such a big crash like that, I think a few drivers would have uh, perhaps struggled a bit to get kind of get like back onto the pace, but after his Monaco yeah. crash, absolutely, or after Saudi, Saudi crash. Arabia crash earlier this year, or Lance Stroll in Mugello two years ago, and he also yes, had COVID as well, which didn't help. But you know, there's no, there's plenty of examples over the decades in F1 where a big crash can hit uh, a driver's confidence, and Joe bounced back straight from that, which I I was quite impressed by. Uh, because it's not something, it's obviously something you can't really practice unless you have a big crash in your junior days as well. Uh, and you don't want to be practicing that, quite frankly. So uh, I think he showed a bit of his character there uh, by bouncing back from that quite strongly. Mm. I think the 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 only thing, without kind of wanting to bring it down too much, is like, yes, he's earned himself a second chance, but he still needs to perform and make that leap. The next season, you know, he's not kind of, blown everyone away that he's earned, you know, kind of two years or like Ricardo had a bad year in the bank, you know, because of what he'd done before he came to McLaren. So yeah, it's kind of, it's a bit like maybe, not exactly the same, but maybe a bit like Latifi last season where we said, you know, he did, did enough to get another drive, but then he still needs to go out and prove it next year. It's not kind of done and dusted that he is an established F1 regular now. I think he's been lucky that to be up to be partnered with Valtteri Bottas because he's got a proven Grand Prix driver alongside him yes. he's been able to perform regularly against and I think what you were saying there the qualifying was 11-6 I mean however, however many of those qualifyings are um, what's the word sort of clean clean between the two if that makes sense like both both having clean runs dry that kind of thing but I seem to well, think even like Joe's... no grid penalties and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But I seem races, to think Joe's best races. qualifyings are Canada and Silverstone, and those are pouring with rain. So that shows the mark of a driver as well, to be fair, of just natural talent in there and letting that plug away works. And that's worked with someone like Espanocon, where you look at Austria in 2020, 
the Styria in the second round and that was wet qualifying and he was right up there but he was having to plug away a bit and get better and better and that's worked really well for him in Renault Alpine so I think you could say the same for that kind of thing working there with Joe I mean it's it's a it's a call to make for the next few seasons if he's there but um you know I think he could shave up pretty nicely and I, I hope he does because you know, it's nice to see things going well. Um, yeah, like being the first Chinese driver ever, I know it should just be about making that history, but it is still a big thing. The Asian market is still a big thing. Don't tell me being real again is the podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, just to put some context. The last two podcasts, or like two of the last three, the be real figures, I don't even have the app. Anyway. Yeah, for, for Jill to be the first Chinese driver as well, hopefully he can lead the way for future Chinese or Asian drivers to join F1 because F1 has lapsed that over the last uh, eight to ten. Who, who was before Jill? Was it Kobayashi? Last one? Uh, I know no, Marching Hua was a test driver and he went sorry, to Sorry, I, I, I meant Asian, Asian drivers. Oh, sorry, I think you meant Chinese. Um, um, Sonoda. Oh, yeah, Sonoda. Huh. Oh, God, I've, I've, I've had a stinker there. <laughs> but, yeah, there's not been many, has there, over the last 10 years? <laughs> no, there's been a bit of a, a lack because there was a bit of... um, There were there were uh, a, there's a big flush of Japanese... Oh, Harry nineties, 90s, 90s and noughties, and you have people like Yamamoto in sort of 2010 not really being able to do anything, unfortunately, but and Harry Anto being a letdown. Mm. But Kobayashi was a fantastic driver. Sonoda's proving well. And Joe is as well. So um, hopefully I can, like you say, lead to more. Mm, I don't think... The Chinese Grand Prix coming back next year. Fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed for that. And this isn't known about him by very many people, but he actually lived in Sheffield when he first came to the UK. So there's a fun fact. He actually lived in the house that you're living in now, Adam. He did, yes. (laughs) No, I can't. Oh, um, we have plugged that every time we mention Joe, we say Sheffield alumni. And... I don't think we have since, at least since I was back from America, so that's about three months. So I felt like I needed to to re-mention it for all our new listeners. All our new listeners. Yes. Um, and for all those new listeners, Thank you all went to Sheffield Uni to give it that link as well, um, just for the yes. contact. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that... Joe Guanyu will be staying there. And I think what we can say in summary, we're all pretty... Pleased with that. He's a lovely boy and all power, all the best to him. Um, another lovely boy who we want to give all the best to is Alex Albon, who is going to be making a return to Formula One in Singapore after his uh, really unfortunate episode and his medical uh, difficulties with his, with his operation in Italy on the Monza Grand Prix weekend, uh, which is what led to Nick de Vries' call up and so on. And that was a really horrible episode for him. And it's really nice seeing back on his feet and fighting fit. Hopefully he'll do really well this weekend and can just put the past behind him and look ahead. Absolutely. And even even if he doesn't perform that well next uh, this weekend or next weekend, he can you know, he's been for quite a bit. I mean, to be in intensive care is absolutely crazy. And then to Not be nice in three two and then two, three weeks later to be you know, driving at the Singapore Grand Prix, toughest race of the year, can go up to two hours, humid, hot, tough track. It's the worst combination, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, so hopefully he can be back towards his best, but I, I, I just hope he kind of eases himself in. And if he is on the pace, that's just a bonus because to be in the car after uh, such a different 
a, a difficult few days like that is is fantastic. Mm. I think it, as well, Singapore. I'm not expecting Williams to kind of you know it'd be one of their best races, which obviously you know he'd want to. Having missed out on Monza, then he wants to kind of come in with another chance. But it might help in the long run actually having a bit of that pressure off where it's not kind of a big target. I think you know it's not. If they're not you know kind of on the pace for the top of Q2, then that's not a disaster regardless. Yeah, and I couldn't put that better than you guys. Um, moving on to some more Singapore-focused stuff and more general season kind of stuff, we're going to talk about Matt Stappen for a bit on this podcast now because this is the first opportunity in 2022 that the, the title could be mathematically won. Uh, Max Verstappen can win the title if Charles Leclerc is eighth or lower. Ninth or lower if Max is fastest lap. There we go. And Perez is something else fifth or lower i want to say that's it yeah um and you know that's mad that we're at this stage of the season they're making these seasons longer and longer and longer and yet still we're talking about a uh, um a championship being won so early i think the last time there was talk of a championship being won in singapore was 2011 i want to say um with sebastian vettel only missing out by one point on winning it because of Jensen Button and then just winning it in Japan anyway the week after. Um, It could be a very similar thing here, to be honest. It could be very similar. (laughs) It really could be, depending on depending on the competition. And it would be Verstappen's second world title, just like Vettel's second world title. Yes, for Red Bull. Oh my goodness, it's all going to happen. Um, as we've just said, and Jensen Button's going to be the second place person. Um, but Max Verstappen is on the brink of, as we say, his second world title, but he's also on the brink of a few records. He's on the brink of 13. He's on 13 wins at the moment. He, no, he's not on 13. The record's 13. He's on 11 wins. He needs 13 wins to equal the win record for all-time Formula 1 seasons held by Vettel and Schumacher. Do we think he's going to get that record? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is the one that's most likely to happen. It is three wins from the final six races. So, yes, I think it's just a matter of when when it happens for that one. When do you think it will happen? Oh, it's uh, three races from now. I forgot USA. Mexico and USA switched again. Um, they're, they're always jumping no. around. A few Coach years then Mexico. First. Kota then. I think it'll be Kota. I think Mexico. <laughs> that's that's nice. Um, it's not. I, I want to see more. I don't want to see him win over half the last races, but I think that's going to happen. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it would be nice to see a fight at the front, but if he wins it, he's definitely earned this record. Yeah. And just like Nigel was saying on our podcast before this week, he was talking about the sort of relentless nature and the consistency required to make a driver great rather than just good. And that's really been shown in spades by Max this year. Um, and I, I, I agree. I think he's going to get that record. I don't. I think he'll probably surpass it, um, which would just be yeah. exceptional considering where the Red Bull were and where the narrative of the season was in April. Um, yeah, like that's pretty excellent. Um, another record that could be could be broken is his own record of eighteen podiums in a season, which he got last year. He's currently on 13, so he needs to be on the podium at all races to seal that record or in five of them to equal it. That's a hard one. 
That is a true because all it takes is one. Uh, one fourth place, which would be still a decent result in the grand scheme. Yeah, or just one incident or one engine problem or gearbox. So, yeah. But I think Red Bull reliably are sorted. And well, I don't know, it's tricky because like Mexico... <laughs> so so they're not going to have any more failures for the rest of the season. They're fine. Nigel's confirmed yeah. it. Well, there we go then. That's sorted. Yeah. Um, Adam, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'd... <sighs> It's just, it's one that, like, everything has to go right. Well, not, like, exactly right, but it, it's got to be clean the rest of the season. And it really, I'm going to, I don't think he'll get it, but it really, really wouldn't surprise me. Like, Red Bull have just been on it. Like, the whole second half of the se- season, really since the start of the European leg, I think, then they've been pretty flawless. So, yeah, yeah it's, I'm going to say no. But I really, really wouldn't be surprised, which is dull. I know. But. Yeah, I think you yeah. could equal it. I, I think, yeah. Matt, I think yeah. matching it is fine. You give that one off, kind of one crazy moment, but um, or reliability spike and so on. But oh, it would be, be impressive. Be for, for Thirty-six podiums for the last two seasons. When yes, it's been dominant more recently, but it's not exactly been like Mercedes 2014, 2015, 2016 dominance. I was surprised he had so, 18 podiums. Uh, looking back on all of this stuff, I was surprised he had 18 podiums last year. Um, yeah, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah, that's phenomenal stuff. Um, another one that would be phenomenal would be consecutive wins. The current holder for consecutive win record of the consecutive win record is Sebastian Vettel on nine. Um, depends if you count uh, Ascari who did it um i think it i think it's because the indy 500 uh, is the reason it's he not did it officially over counted. two seasons in 1952 and 53 basically yeah but that should so, be like, fine that's final... come into it i thought the indy 500 was the reason um that as well yeah yeah because yeah. then that was technically a race in between um yeah. the the two seasons thing could mean that vettel could have carried on his record um which he didn't <laughs> because of Renault engine in 2014. Um, and himself. <laughs> yes. Vettel, Vettel did it in 2013, just bashed it out after the summer break. Verstappen had a run of two wins consecutively for uh, France and Hungary before the summer break and hasn't lost a race since the summer break ended. He's on five. It's a very good win streak anyway. Can he make it to 10? On, Double Adam. digit win streak. <laughs> oh, I was too busy laughing at Freddie saying bashing it out. Um, I don't know. I think <laughs> bringing the tone down again, guys. Um, stop dreaming. No, because I think if he's not gonna break, or yeah, I've said he's not gonna break the wins one until Mexico, which then means that he can't break the consecutive. <laughs> there you go. So you're using logic, unlike your predictions at the start of the year, where you said Mercedes would win the constructors, and now to the Russell will come second and fourth. Just for our bring that up. I thought I said uh, it the other way around. Anyway, let's move on. I'm gonna maybe not use logic and try and reverse logic and kind of go with what I've said my whole life, which is there's no way Vettel can get that many wins. Oh, there's no way Hamilton's gonna beat Schumacher's record. Oh, there's no way that he's going to get to 100 wins. Oh, there's no way that uh, any any of this is going to happen. Um, and then it all has obviously happened. So I'm just going to assume it's going to happen now based on based on reverse psychology. 
If he wins this weekend, I think it will happen. I think this weekend on pure pace is... Why are we having this conversation one. then? Why don't we just wait till next week? Because uh, Nigel wrote it on the dock. Yeah, Nigel exactly. Yeah. That's this. my point. That's so, why I'm bringing yeah. it up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I think mind. Mercedes... I'm winding you up. <laughs> you always wind me up. Mercedes will be yeah. a lot closer. <laughs> Mercedes will be a lot closer. I think Ferrari as well should be on form just due, due to the nature of the track. It's just whether the bumps will be a problem for both teams, actually. Uh, but if he does... But Singapore weekend, have said they've brought in... They've surfaced it especially to uh, avoid porpoising, which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Don't know what that well, means. Yeah, if, it, <laughs> yeah, if, if he does weekend, if he does win this weekend, I can see him winning Japan, uh, USA and Mexico and then Brazil. Will he lose the title? <laughs> anyway. Which one of you wrote that? <laughs> um, we're moving on to generic Singapore Grand Prix preview stuff now. We're going to talk about where we think the competitive nature is. Nigel just hinted at it. Do you think it's going to be a three-team fight at the front? Yes. I think it will be... Oh, I think it will be similar to Zantfor. I think it'll be Ferrari versus Red Bull for qualifying. And then Red Bull versus, well, that's, yeah, Red Bull versus Mercedes for the race. I think Ferrari have got tyre wear problems, and I think that could hurt them in the race, even if they do have track position. I think in the pit stop phase or just towards the end of the race, I think it could be a bit in, yeah, I think they could be in, in trouble a bit. So I think it'll be Mercedes versus Red Bull this weekend. That's a very astute assessment of it all. Um, I do think from that, I do kind of agree with that. I think it'd be difficult for Mercedes to win. Uh, they seem to be kind of earmarking it as a chance, at least. But uh, I, I'm finding it hard to believe it's going to be too much yeah. trouble for Red Bull, to be honest. As and what you think? thought was a much bigger chance for Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the, the other problem is like... The Verstappen factor, like he's just so good. Like it's not, regardless of how good Red Bull are, like it's just he's looking pretty unstoppable at the moment. So even if they're on par, like right now, just the way the team is working in synergy, then I'd kind of favour them to win anyway. So the fact that I think they're coming into the weekend with still an advantage, even though it might be closer than, um, you know, Belgium or Monza, then yeah, I think... It is, yeah, I think it's just kind of hard to see another way, to be honest. And yeah, he'd need to, I think he'd either need to have a reliability problem, crash, or start from the back of the grid, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Any teams we're gonna, we think are going to pop up as highlights this weekend? Any, any midfield teams you think are going to have a chance to shine? It's difficult to say because there's, Apart from Monaco, there's not really any other tracks like this. And even Monaco, that was a long time ago. And a lot has changed since then in the development race. So I would say McLaren might be a bit stronger than Alpine this weekend. Recently, it's been Alpine who've had the better of McLaren in general. So I think that could happen. So then you would say Norris will be up there. But then other than that, I'm really not too sure, actually, for once. I've just looked on the weather forecast and it's got lightning and a black cloud and a sun 
for Saturday and Sunday. So it's got about high, about 75-80% chance of rain on the, um, or no, it goes down to about 60 when it's the race time. But it looks like there might be some rain, which would be fun. Um, I don't well, know. It's only rain. Wednesday. Um, yeah. And obviously weather forecasts go a bit mad around yeah. uh, in this kind of time of the year in uh, Southeast Asia. Mm. Um, but it does I'm normally rain about 5pm every day in, in like Singapore, though, normally. I'm yes. buying in. The race is what, 8pm? Yeah, the um, race is 8, yeah. And we've only had one that's been wet, um, historically. Well, it's going to be two from this weekend. <laughs> Well, now Adam said that it's going to be wet. That's the cardinal sin for anyone who watches Formula One. If you if you look at the weather forecast, it's always going to be the opposite. Um, but if it is wet, that'll be great fun. If it's wet for quali as well, that'd be also be great fun. Hmm. Um, and a little bit crazy, a little bit mad. Um, of midfield teams, I think, could do all right, bringing it back to that, just because I was, I was going to say, I, I think you could see some okay performances for Alpha Tauri based on Baku, where both of them did all right. And um, based on uh, Baku and Monaco, I think Vettel, and he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a Singapore specialist anyway. I think they could potentially yes. be mixing it in some decent performances if they can get their qualifying sorted. I think they'll be okay in the race. Yeah, that was until I got excited by lightning bolts, and that was my pick that I thought Vettel slash Aston might be able to mix it. Yeah, it's a track where the drivers can make the difference, and because of. Uh, the softer they're using the softest compounds, so the rear tires get absolutely punished. So they'll be going so slow on the outlaps to try and keep the qualifying. Uh, so then in qualifying, they can have uh, enough tire life in the final sector. So that'll be fun as well. And I think it's just as good as uh, Monaco is the Singapore qualifying. It is just so good. I kind of get, oh, get so close to the walls, everything on the limit. Yeah, I just, I just love it. It's a it's a terrifying track to watch in qualifying, and it's so mm. good. Um, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna end this quickly with a quick stinger on the top three in quali and the top three in the race. Um, realistically, it's just a guess of who's going to finish second or third. But Adam, we're going to come to you first. Who's going to finish one, two, three in the Singapore Grand Prix 2022 qualifying? Qualifying. Qualifying. Um. I'm buying in. Look, no, I'm not. Yes, no. Um, because I've already bought into it being wet. So, but... Don't forget ah. your predictions about Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Challenging. Trying to square a circle. predictions to match to each other now, Adam. So, What's your gut saying? His gut saying he's hungry. Leclerc. <laughs> My gut saying I'm hungry. Leclerc, yeah. In which position? One, two, or three? <laughs> One. And two and three? Verstappen and George. Oh. George O. Okay. No, um, it's got. Oh, I could that's say my cousin. That's my wild driver. Um, oh, could I, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Let's go George Russell second and Alonso third because why not? Why? Okay, right. I can't match that, Freddie. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go Verstappen. It's going to be wet. Verstappen, Leclerc, Sainz for qualifying because it'll be dry. And then Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc for the race. Okay. I'll, I was going to say Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc for the race as well. 
but I was I was gonna I was gonna do Leclerc for Stappen Hamilton quality. Okay. Yeah. Whatever happens, I think it is gonna be banging weekend. It's yeah, be- we all love Singapore. Singapore's great fun. That's and- the kiss of death, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> banging weekend, says Nigel. Someone who's never said that word in any not unironic way until today. Um, <laughs> not unironic way. <laughs> um, and, you know, at least even if it is a poor weekend, we're going to get pretty pictures out of it. So mm. just enjoy Twitter this weekend, guys. And we'll have a podcast following it. We will do. Uh, it will be out at some point at the start of next week. Thank you very much for listening and watching or watching only or listening only. Uh, <laughs> you're our valued listeners and, you know, we couldn't do it without um, actually, we could do. We did. actually we could. We did, we did for a year, <laughs> but now we, we, now we still we are. Hey, <laughs> please though, we love, we yeah. love validation. So, yeah. give us validation. Follow us on Twitter. Do all of that jazz and enjoy the Singapore Grand Prix. Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye. I like having listeners. I'm close to an Eddie. Eddie, I've got a friend called Eddie. Or Edric. Or Edric. <laughs>